Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How does Addison doing? Ah, he's doing all right. Yeah? Yeah. You've seen him? Uh, not much. <laughs> no, not these days. No, I'm well. A lot going on. Okay. It's winter time. Yeah. A lot of riding going on? Uh, a lot of people rode yesterday. I did not, but I began tearing down the chicken wing. Ooh. Got the carbs rebuilt and done on the Gladiator. Sweet. Getting everything ready. Uh, everything's lined up and ready to go on a timing chain, the full replacement for the triple bypass uh, chain mechanical seal and stator on the gladiator so that's coming up okay um but yeah basically cracked open the small box and and did the full carb rebuild on the gladiator build i already had polished the parts and gotten it ready but it didn't have gaskets or got the new jets everything i need pod filters it's ready to go sweet yeah i saw the parts on friday you were giving me a little sneak peek yeah so i got that all cleaned up that's uh the ball's rolling is again, it? okay. I took a bit of a hiatus from it, but yeah. we're moving forward again, so that feels good. Didn't get quite as much done as I wanted to this weekend, but you know, spent some time with family, and the weather was good. It was hard not to hang out with the kids. Oh yeah, I spent a lot of time with the with the family this weekend. Not a lot of other progress, but it was a, it was a good weekend though, regardless. So it's good to hear that one of us is doing something beneficial. Yeah, I mean, at least half the crew is uh, you know motorcycle related here. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know you. Could, you could step it up a notch; <laughs> it'd be helpful. That's fair. But we'll get right into it. We've got a two-week, more or less, continuous schedule here uh, for for topics. But we'll start today with the uh, the main point. Uh, it's not really the main point. We'll start with the main point and get into the first half of uh, of what we want to talk about. But make sure you turn in next week for the, the continuation. But for now, let's talk about. Why you should or why you should either do your work yourself on your bike or why it would be beneficial to bring it to a shop. Okay. What do you think about that? Why would you want to bring, I know you do most of your own work, if not all. Why would you want to bring the bike into a shop for work? Um, either something that requires uh, tuning to by somebody that has some expertise. Um Maybe you're trying to troubleshoot something and haven't, or I haven't been able to um, figure it out. So I could take it to somebody that I trust that would be able to resolve the issue, uh, especially if you're pulling your hair out, maybe. Um, or if it's beyond something that you're comfortable with, maybe. I think there's okay. a few instances for that. Uh, a few things that come to mind would be. Um, <clears throat> Maybe uh, tuning on newer bikes. So trying to, you did a new exhaust. There's nothing really out there for it. You've done as far as pairing your exhaust with your jets and your air box, and maybe you've done some other valve work and uh, poured it and polished the head. Who knows what could have been going on to be able to take it to somebody who can do that adjustment, whether it be a carburetor or um, electronic, um, maybe fuel injection 
depending on what you have. ECU mapping, basically? Sure. Be able to do something like that. The other one would be maybe suspension. To be able to take it in, you've got a certain setup that you want to have for either on-road, off-road, whatever the case may be, and be able to take it in and have somebody do the valving for you and go through that that you know has done this a lot and is able to take what you're looking for and make it happen for you and maybe warranty it so if it isn't quite right, they'll adjust it on the fly or you can bring it back in and they'll tweak it a little bit more. Those are a couple instances. So what about you? When would you take it in? So my my pros for bringing it to a shop, uh, number one is often, and this isn't just necessarily for me, but for a lot of people, I think time-saving. If you're on a crunch or want it done quickly, usually... A shop will get it done. You know, I, I've got my day job, a lot going on. I'm doing builds. If I want my daily bike to get work, for example, the timing chain on the chicken wing, it's now in line behind my project bike. Right. So, you know, if I really wanted it done in a week or in a couple of days, I'd drop it off at the Honda shop and it could be done. I, it's kind of debatable, though, because it depends on the time of the year That's and fair. what their workload is like, because you might be out a couple weeks. To do something that, sure, you've got something else going on, but you might want to do it yourself. But I can understand that point. But often if you're, you know, if you need something done quickly, you can schedule a time, drop it off, pick it up a couple days later. Sure. For even larger service on a bike. Okay. just doesn't take that long. Um, The other thing is, if you don't know what you're doing, this, so I guess we'll move on. Tools is the other one, to your point. That's the expertise. I agree, expertise. And the things that you mentioned, your two specific examples are very good examples. Right. Um, you know, if you need to dyno tune something, you just can't. Right. You can see to the pants, tune it a little bit, but you will always be better off at someone who can either tune your carb or ECU map the fuel injection for your bike. Right. With a dyno dynamometer. Right. Well, and you really you that, that it comes to play though, as I stated, when you've done some modifications, and Correct. so now you're trying to get it all paired yep. together. And be at an optimum performance. And, you level. know, yeah, meet your. Yeah. If you're just trying to return it back to stock, you did rebuild the carburetor. I mean, you could take it in and, by all yeah. means, and somebody can do that. But also because it's all stock, I feel comfortable. And the settings are are there. If right. you get the factory manual for twenty bucks, thirty sure. bucks, forty bucks, depending on how old or, or rare your bike is. Right. Generally under fifty bucks, you can get those settings that you need. And if it's a you know fuel injected bike, it's just ready to go out of the box. Right. You don't right. have to do anything. It'll go if it's factory. Right. Um, so I agree. Yeah. When you're tuning and, and adjusting, and it's more so you can usually optimize performance, maybe not optimize, but get really, really close. See to your pants. It's that longevity and reliability that you get when you're actually tuning somewhere that has a sniffer, somewhere that has a plug-in that's reading mm-hmm. your... O2 sensors, right? Somewhere that's both taking into account the horsepower, torque, as well as the fuel ratio after burn. Right. To make sure you're running always a little rich to keep things cool and clean because you don't ever want to go lean. Right. Right. You know, yeah, even just the some, slightest amount yeah. of lean, you're starting to burn up rings and pistons. Yeah. It may, if you're just slight, it may take 20,000 miles, 50,000 miles, but. You always, especially when you're tuning for performance, want to be a little rich mm-hmm. to be on the safe side. And so that's where it's hard to tell without going too rich from right. the seat of your pants. Because once you you can smell it pretty clearly, mm-hmm. probably a bit too rich. Right. And right? you can smell on the lean side too. But it, it's an acquired smell, I guess. Your, your you, chances you have to of be getting around it, right. it. You have to know what's right and know what's wrong. Yeah. I mean, your chances of getting it right are just better with a tune, all the setup, 
all the, you know, it's taking in all of those inputs to right. give you the best output. Right. So generally I, I agree with you there, but also tools, you know, beyond the expertise sure. of the person, if you got one bike and it's a job that requires a $200 tool, often it could just be quicker, cheaper to just drop it off and say, Hey, you know, your suspension's a good example. Right. You're not doing suspension often. It takes a couple of drivers, polars. There's a few specialty tools required on the front forks. Right. That aren't necessarily universal. There are some multi-gauge versions, but not necessarily universal on these forks that can be pricey. Mm-hmm. A couple 300 bucks to get the tools. You drop it off for $95 and have your forks rebuilt. Right. right. Yeah. You I always know? have to do that uh, cost benefit analysis. I mean, I enjoy uh, being able to work on something that I have and purchase some tools. But if it's going to be really expensive, like you're saying, a couple hundred dollars versus $95, probably not going to do it again. It's definitely valuable potentially to take it to somebody where they're going to do it. And if you, you know, for me, I've got a number of project bikes. As tools become required, I end up buying them. Sure. And trying to get the best tools I can because I know I'm going to use them right. 10, 15 times over the next 10 years. Yes. I've already used them on four or five bikes thus far for a lot of the tools I bought. So, yeah, it makes sense. But if you just have that one bike that you're dailying or that one dirt bike that you're riding and you're only adjusting it every few years, it, mm-hmm. it can be worth just saying, hey, you have the expertise. You have the tools. Thank you. Here's $100. <laughs> You know, the, the other one, though, is to get the job done right. If you don't know what you're right. doing, it can be very beneficial to drop a bike off. Yeah. Because you can do significant damage playing with things, even tuning. If you're doing exhaust yeah. and carburetor changes, like we just talked about, if you're changing jets and you don't understand what you need to be doing there and you put in too lean of a jet, you're going to burn a piston. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a problem. So, you know... That being said, I've also put doing the job right on the do-it-at-home side. Because right. if you do know what you're doing, chances are you're going to be more careful. You're going to baby your bike. You're going to really take care of it more than the guy that does 50 bikes a day. Right. Well, and He's I would say that they, they're not going to care about it. But uh, I get your point. I think if you're taking it to the right shop, and I think we're going to get into this to some extent, but uh, that's part of it, is being able to trust the shop. Yep. If I am concerned about how they're going to treat my bike or that they're going to get it right, they're, you know, then it's not going to work out. I'm going to stress about it. I'm not sure. going to trust it. Right. So, sure. so uh, I, I can see that, though. It, it's important that you understand what you're doing. And there's, you know, there, there's more to that. I mean, when I'm doing work on my bikes, whatever parts I take off, I basically will wax and polish with a rat. You know, I've got that wash wax spray. I will wash each part off the bike. So when it goes on, it looks factory new, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, if that's a side cover, I'm not washing the inside of a side cover that I wouldn't get if I were just washing the bike from the outside. Right. right? I've unbolted it. I've got it there. I can wash every part of that. Right. Well, and you've invested into that. So you have an ultrasonic yep. cleaner that allows you to be able to well, do sure. some extra and work. You parts. bought a buffer and polisher. You got, you've got the right equipment to be able to do that. Well, you know, you drop it off no, at the taking shop. it to the next step. You're trying to actually not just get this to a good running condition because you don't have to do that in all cases for some of those parts but Correct. but if you want to have a certain customization or clean it up and actually be restoring and not just rebuilding then something like that's well, important even on the dailies i think that's the big difference if you know what you're doing to doing it home and getting the job done right you right. will clean up all those parts as you put them back on right they're just going to take it apart do what's important do what you've asked for and slap it back together maybe give it a quick wipe down once it's fully assembled right so it comes back pretty but it's superficially pretty, right? You can sure. do a better job at home with regards to those above and beyond steps because it's your baby. Right. 
So, you know, you gotta, you gotta judge that. Um, I mean, along those lines, uh, we've talked about it before, but step one is get that manual for your bike. Yeah. I've got a manual for every vehicle I've ever owned, and I tend to keep those even after I don't own that vehicle. You have manuals for vehicles you won't ever own. That's also true. Have, right? I, I tend to look for manuals when they go on sale and pick them up because it's a vehicle I may own at some point. And really knowing how to work on one bike does carry over right. pretty cleanly to most bikes. Now, your torque values and your specific, you know... Your different settings, well, especially once you get into internal engine components, change drastically based on the bike. But your basic requirements, your basic, you know, taking care of a spark plug wire, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's going to be the same thing. So those manuals are pretty invaluable. Definitely worth the $50 investment if you're doing any work yourself. Right. Because you'll have all the specifications and requirements you need to do a good job. Now, that being said, why is it important or why would it be worth doing the work at your house? Or in your show, your own shop. Doesn't necessarily. Some of us have garages. Some of us have shops. Some of us just have a lean to. Some of us are doing it in our living room. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you're working on your own bike, why why is that worth it, Brad? Uh, for me, a lot of it's convenience. I can okay. work on it when I want. I can go out there and take care of it. I understand that going to a shop though can also be convenience, right? So it it all just it depends. I enjoy it to me. Um, as long as it's not my daily driver or daily vehicle, it's almost therapeutic to be able to go out, turn some wrenches. I probably take my time more than I need to. And like you said, cleaning things up, uh, whatever it may be, I can head back into the house, spend time with the family and go back out and finish it later, whatever. Um, uh, and I also enjoy getting new tools and, being able to fully understand my bike or car in that instance and um, know if you have any other future problems down the road, what your bike is consistent of. Okay. What about for yourself? Uh, One of the big ones I put is money saving. Yeah. Um, For the Scrambler, it was very much that way. Yeah. You know, it was, you wouldn't get out of there for less than 300 bucks for a basic service oil change. You know, you want to do valve adjustment on that scrambler, it was eleven hundred dollars. Nine hundred if you're lucky and didn't need to actually change any any shims. Mm-hmm. Which to me, the difference between those two is significant, not a couple hundred dollars. That's the difference between three hundred and nine hundred and not nine hundred and twelve hundred, but whatever. Nonetheless, it was one that was incredibly expensive. So learning how to do that myself. Granted I had plenty of experience in cars, older bikes, now the valves are very different in my two strokes. Right, they don't have them. Well, they do, but it's just a replacement. If it goes bad, sure. there's no shims, there's no adjusting. You know, but you know the basic valving on that is is pretty simple. Basically, you know, new reeds, but <laughs> super easy. But it was easy enough to learn, and it was worth the investment because it saved. I mean, the tw- two times I did it over like, two or three times I did it over the almost thirty thousand miles I had the bike. Mm-hmm. It was you know that was three thousand dollars. Yeah, and it cost me maybe one hundred and fifty in tools. No, I, and I a lot of times, agree. that's the main driver for me as well. I didn't state that, but at the same time, I'm able to go out and I enjoy it. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Because if it didn't cost, if it cost me the same amount of money, let's say, for me to be able to do the oil filter change and get the oil sure. that I want as it is to take it to somebody and do it, might do it. Just depends. That's fair. Yeah. With cars, there's times I will do it. With my cars, because it is about the same price. Mm-hmm. There's times that it's just like, I don't have time this week. I will bring what I need to do with me to the place. I'll drop it off. I'll spend my half hour getting other work done that I have to do. 
mm-hmm. and then I'll drive off because I don't have the half hour to an hour to do it in my driveway this this month. Sure. Right. Uh, but it's the same price and generally a little less specific on requirements, mm-hmm. whereas the motorcycle is generally not the same price and a lot more specific on requirements, depending on your bike and age and all of that. Nowadays, with like the 81s, 82s, I got most oils are better than what was specified then. So a little less specific. I can go pretty inexpensive. Um, probably more so save money, but that, that's not a complicated oil change. Right. Unless the oil oil filter sticks. Then that became a complicated oil change last year. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, but, that uh, was. It was. There's some interesting photos and on I, that. And I can't imagine. Yeah, if you want to check the Patreon, you can see the uh, the way I fixed that. We've talked about it before. But yeah, I can't imagine the price that the dealership would have paid in trying to get that off cleanly. Or what they would have destroyed and just charged me for parts. Right. Instead of taking off and keeping factory parts. Except for the bolt, which needs to be replaced anyway. Anyway. You have the bolt. I'm getting off subject. We always do. Nonetheless, um, the other thing, and and not just for us, but for our listener, um, I think you can learn a lot doing work. You mentioned this a little bit in why you like to work on your bikes at home or your cars at home. Uh, You know, you learn a lot more about your bike. It's kind of like the old nuance that when you wash your car, you find the scratches you didn't notice. Yeah. Right. When you when you're taking your bike apart, you see where, oh, hey, look, there's a weird grime build up here. I might have a small leak on this gasket, something to keep an eye on. Right. Hey, look, there's something here, something there. Beyond just noticing the surroundings of your bike, you also learn how to do that job. Mm -hmm. And if you're like me and go on longer trips, it is definitely beneficial to understand what you can and can't do on that bike and what you could roadside fix right. maybe with a lot more time. And it would be a lot more difficult because you don't have your shop and the, all the tools, but you can also learn by doing that, what to put in your tool bag that right. you bring with you. Cause you can tell that, Hey, 80% of my bike requires these five tools. Yeah. I need an M8. Let's bring I them every time. Screwdriver. I need yeah. this. Yeah. I just bring those tools and I can get to 80% of it. Now to that point. Too, I'll buy the tool that I need for these other ones because I'm already on the roadside trying to fix it. Right. Yeah. So it just depends. Here in a few weeks, our, our topic will, will be regarding what to put in your tool bag. Oh. I think that, that carries on with what we're talking about here very well um, over these two weeks, but that'll come up in the future. But you know, that, that's a good way to learn the basics of what should be in that tool bag, mm-hmm. right? Do the work on your bike. I, I know lots of guys that play this game where they will do the work on their bike and every tool they use, they won't put back in their toolbox. They will set aside to put into the bike tool bag. So if they've used a tool, it goes in there. And then every time they start working on their bike, they start with the tool bag. And if there's something that isn't in there, they'll get out of the toolbox, put it back in the tool bag. You still got a way, you got to figure out how that affects you. If you get the bag too heavy, understood, becomes an issue. We're going to get into that, yeah. but uh, you definitely have to do some... That'll, yeah, here in the future, you'll, you'll hear more about that, but just a great way to learn. The other <sighs> thing that really can be fun, Ooh. and that our Slacker Moto radio group and Slacker Moto wants to get more into, is the social aspect of working on your bikes. Okay. Right? Do you take yeah. it to a shop? There is some, and I'll be honest, there's social aspect there. A lot of good shops, and we'll get into this here in a minute, have a good lounge area, right? Okay. Have somewhere that you can wait that isn't just being bored. Or, you know, so, some shops require you to just drop your bike off and leave, and that's fine too. But there is somewhat of a social aspect there at the shop if it's a good shop and mm-hmm. a popular shop. But if you're home, you can make it a party that you're working on your bike. You can bring out a few drinks, have some buddies over. And have a party, basically. Yeah. Start cracking down on the bike. Really, it's generally going to be you 
And maybe if you've got some friends that are more knowledgeable, they'll be helping here and there, kind of pointing you in the right direction. Right. A good teacher doesn't do the work. They show you how to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you can do that. But that's kind of one of the things that we always talk about the motorcycle community, uh, you know, is, is big to us here at Slacker Moto. And, and that's one of the big things that I think as we advance forward will become more prominent is we'll have group maintenance days, group rebuild days, whatever it is. As we want to both, you know, Brad and I want to learn a skill better as well as impart some of the knowledge that we have, what little bit it is Mm -hmm. with, you know, with you, the listener, you know, invite anybody that's in the area to come. If you're in town, visit, come join us as we, you know, rebuild a carburetor, as we do whatever it is, valves on a bike, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of different jobs that are relatively simple, especially after you've seen somebody do it. Yeah. A lot of that confidence comes from watching someone do it. Thank heavens for YouTube. If you're a visual learner, you can learn a lot from there. Be careful what you learn. Brad made that face. You know, you got to be careful as well. You don't necessarily want to follow everybody because a lot of people will cut corners. Yeah, it goes back to following the the manual that you purchase, and then if you need a visual for some reason, what are they talking about when they're talking about the uh, ICV or something like that? You can go in there, watch the video, see what they're pulling off, right? But but caution is needed, definitely. That's fair. Yeah, don't just don't just monkey see, monkey do. Do a little research on that, but. Uh, you know, there, there's learning to be had, and I think if you've ever thought of doing your own work but haven't, there's lots of good places to start. I guess this isn't necessarily where we're getting into today, but, you know, the, there are great places to start. Carb cleaning is relatively simple. Mm-hmm. You take it apart, you put it together exactly the reverse of how you took it apart. It's right. just that easy. If you don't know how to do it, you can look up on your manual. It'll have the carburetor. Uh, if you have a carbureted bike, that's pretty simple. Um, we've talked about the basic control adjustments and things like that that basically everyone should do when you get a new bike right um that being said it's an easy way to kind of get comfortable with wrenching on your bike yeah you know you get into valve an oil change really simple yeah that should be one of the first things that you ever do and in the future once you've learned how to do it you can always take it into a shop but do it once at least the first time and figure out how it all works what where all these parts are you never know like you said if you're on the road and something comes up you want to change your oil or you're concerned about something you could you could break that open and and uh, take care of it you could do hoses if it's uh, water cooled or oil cooled and it's running through external hoses those are pretty simple to get to pretty hard to mess that up just pay attention to how you're taking it apart focus on the externals and then as you move forward you can start diving a little bit deeper and get yeah. into it once you're comfortable with your bike how to get into and access each one of the components and then um Go from there. It's well worth looking at the communities for your bike before you jump into a job as well. I mean, there's, you know, the valve change on the Scrambler was moderately difficult. It required removing cams. It actually had, you know, some some work involved with regards to keeping things how they came off. Sure. Right. You had to be careful. You couldn't just go at it, adjust them to the right level. You know, you get the the uh, spring spring on tap it type valves. And you can just, you know, torque them down, that needle down to wherever it needs to be to adjust the valve. That's significantly simpler. That's mm-hmm. a pretty simple valve change. You get into, I was looking at the VTEC uh, on some of the Honda VFRs, and it's a fa- fairly complicated, if not very complicated, valve change job, or valve okay. adjustment okay. job. So, you know, look at that before you get, you know, knuckles deep into your, 
your bike and you've pulled the whole head off, you know, make sure that it's something you're willing to tackle, even if it takes a little bit of learning before you get into it and leave yourself half open and have to then cart the bike somewhere to get the job done. Sure. So take a look at that. But beyond when it's beneficial to do work at home or do work at a dealership or a mechanic shop or whatever we, whatever shop you might use in your area. Right. The first thing we want to get into, and next week we'll finish up with what makes a good shop at home. Yeah. Um, we'll get into kind of the more specifics on that. But the first thing we want to get into this week is what to look for in a good shop that you're going to bring your bike to. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's a buddy's shop or whether that's the dealership. You know, or anything in between, what do you want to look for in a good shop? What makes that a good shop? What do you think, Brad? Well, for one, uh, I want to be comfortable going in there. Customer service is important. Being able to go in and feel comfortable with the people. They seem knowledgeable. Um, they they care about you getting taken care of. So they're wanting to set up things. They're not being pushy or weird about how, how it's going. So, I mean, the customer service appeal, knowing that if something does go wrong, that this shop has a reputation as well for uh, resolving the issue okay. or or warranting what they have going on without making it a big hassle. So I think that that's important. Expertise in the motorcycle that you have. You know, a lot okay. of dealerships can probably work on almost anything. Right, just like us working on something at home, but um, is there any reason why the motorcycle that you have should be taken to a an OEM um, service shop? Um, those are a couple of the instances. What about for yourself? That's fair. I, I think to your point, one of the first things I'll look for is just reviews online, whether that be through forums, whether that be through Google. Now, I take that with a grain of salt. I, I like to do word of mouth more than that's fair than the. Online word of mouth, that's fair. Online reviews, because you're going to get a lot of just maybe, I mean, what makes a person go on and do a review? Do you just write reviews? Yeah. Just because? I do write a lot of reviews. Do you? I do. I like to be, I don't know, helpful to the community, specifically in motorcycle auto parts stuff. Sure. I write a lot of reviews because I look for those, right? I want to see somebody's experience. Um, But again, I take it with a grain of salt as well. Even if it's word of mouth, just because someone had a bad experience doesn't mean it's a bad shop. Right. I'm going to look for what were the good experiences you had? Who did you work with? You know, who do I need to be talking to when I'm at this shop? Because even in one shop, I mean, no shop's going to be perfect. There's going to be some guys that are a little bit easier to get along with, talk to, going to kind of share with you what they're doing and why it's important or um, some hurdles that they had to do. Not that I'm going to learn a lot from them probably, because that's not why you take it to a shop other than for this is something that you need to service regularly, right? Kind of learning. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, they're uh... now. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm going to cut you off. To your point, I actually have seen more and more a lot of the shops in the area, the better shops in the area that have better reviews, both word of mouth and online, are starting to do shop days where they invite the public in to come and do an oil change in their shop as they watch a technician do an oil change or adjust the chain or really basic maintenance that you wouldn't necessarily need to bring it in for. Right. Um, so, I mean, to your point, you can actually learn from the shop. And I think that's a huge positive check. If a shop is willing to teach you how to do some of the work they usually get paid for, they probably do good work and they're making enough money. Right. right. They're not hurting for cash on little jobs because they do good work and have plenty of people coming in. 
Well, it's that's pretty fairly rare and probably potentially also a costly shop, but they want you to come there when something bigger uh, needs to be done, whether it be internals to the motor or a transmission, a clutch, who, who knows um, sure. what's going on. Sure. But, uh, you know, that's one thing I look for. But my biggest thing, after I've looked at reviews, kind of found a couple of shops, I generally won't just take my bike there. I'll okay. go to the shop and see what's going on. Right. And I'll go and just kind of check it out, maybe buy something small from them, uh, you know, whatever I need for my bike, a new yeah. drain plug, washer, whatever it is. Something simple for regular maintenance that I'll be doing. But I'll chat it up with those at the shop. But I generally will then look at the shop if I can get to it. I look for a clean and tidy shop. I think that's really important. That's an organized shop because I've heard enough people losing parts or enough people missing this, that, or the other or taking too long because they can't find something because the shop had six bikes going and not an organized location for each bike's stuff. Right. It's kind of just a pile. Um, I will say that about latest motors that I've looked into theirs and it looks like a race shop. It's very white, clean, well separated. Granted, well, they have it a is large a race shop and they have windows for you to be able to yep. view it from. And I the think there's something to be said area. about that. Yeah. If you are transparent in what you're doing, both in actually showing people what you're doing with transparent glass and just being honest about the work that you that it needs and you're going to do, mm-hmm. I think that says a lot about a shop to me. That is important to me. I, I look at some shops, and when they're so cluttered, it doesn't invite me to want to drop my bike off. Right. Right. I know, or I feel at that point I can take better care of the parts I've removed and I'm working on in my own shop. Right. As opposed to bringing it in where basically I'll get the same, same care that it does at my shop, mm-hmm. if not worse. Um, so I, I think having a clean and tidy shop actually goes a long way to both professionalism and doing a very good job. Right. Right. Having a place for everything is, is important. So you may not place the value or the cost of a repair above, you know, wanting it to be low cost above these other items. Correct. Right. Um, you know, I, I would pay depending on the service, but when you're talking like the stuff I would take a bike in for, we're only talking a thousand dollar ballpark. Yeah. Median range. Yeah. You know, and when you're talking 50 to a hundred dollars difference, one place or another, if it's a significantly better shop or seems to be to me, it's worth the extra hundred dollars. Okay. I would rather know that things are done right and have that peace of mind yeah. when I drop it off yeah. for a hundred bucks. And, you know, especially if there's good word of mouth, good reviews, a good shop, something that it communicates well, kind of to that transparency comment that, mm-hmm. You know, if you're keeping me updated with what's going on, I'm significantly happier there. Sure. Um, You know, I've worked with dealerships that on somewhat major service that it was me pulling teeth to figure out where we're at. Right. Right. Well, that was what's taking so long. And it was a warranty service. Nonetheless, you know, in my opinion, and as my request went, right, at least weekly updates of where we're at, pictures if possible. And whenever I'd ask, I'd get it. It wasn't a bad shop. It's not like they were hiding anything. Right. They just weren't as like proactive, and that's just because they were busy. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. But, right, those little things go a long way for me giving you a five-star review. Sure. For me wanting to go back and take my bike there. Yeah. For me recommending to my friends, hey, take your bike here. It'll save you time and possibly money over time because they're going to do it right. Sure. You won't have to do it twice. Yeah. Right? Um, so that, that goes a long way for me. Other thing, you kind of mentioned the those that work at a shop. Um, I think it's good to, for me, I look at the turnover. I'll generally go to the same few shops often. 
Mm-hmm. And if it's the same guys working in the shop, working at the, you know, if it's a dealership, working the floor, working the parts department, that's certainly a good sign to me. Yeah. Right? They treat their employees well. Happy employee does better work. Right. Right? If you're happy with your job, you work better. You don't make as many mistakes. You don't do dumb things because you're not sitting there angry and frustrated. So the culture is important. The Definitely. culture of the entire shop, I think, is really important. Yeah. Um, but as well, usually you'll see the certifications or the, right, the credentials, expertise mm-hmm. of those in the shop, either on the wall there when you're talking to the service writer or whatever. Um, you know, that that's important. Have a, a few, at least a few very trained professionals. Because mm-hmm. um, you never know, even on a basic valve adjustment, when they find something strange. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, have to take a look at that and, and have somebody that knows what they're doing that. To your point, I like that comment that, that knows that bike. Yeah. Right? If there's some weird deposit somewhere that knows, hey, I've done 20, you know, 20 of these this month. I've never seen that. Let's call the guy, see if he wants us to investigate. Right? Right. right. So I think that's important. Yeah, but I mean, we haven't really given a lot of credit to the smaller shops that are, you know, you, you can call them mom and pop shops or you've got uh, a guy that's been a mechanic for motorcycles for years, maybe worked in uh, an OEM dealership for a period of time and now just does it on the side. I mean, some of those places can be really good. And you're not going to see those credentials maybe on the wall, but uh, kind of getting to know the guy or at least going in and visiting with him, I think that's a really good point. You could check out the place a little bit beforehand. Uh, how comfortable are you with the place? And uh, get some get some reviews, know what they've done and where they've been. That's fair. Uh, I know you're playing into one of my favorite local shops in Washougal, but uh, MotoCo has always been been good that way. Very honest. In fact, has talked me out of some service that I was thinking of dropping off just for time. He's like, dude, just do it. It's quick. Uh-huh. And, and to me, again, that, that's good, right? That's someone who says, hey, I've got enough business. You can handle this. Come in when you got something bigger. Right. Right. I, I don't, you know, if you want to drop it off, I'll do it, but yeah. you can probably get it done in the time it'll take me to get to it. Yeah. Um, well, probably know. based on the things that you've already been picking up from him, he's going, you're willing to do that, but not this. This yeah. is simple, man. Yeah. Simple things like that, as well as that ties into kind of what, not necessarily my least important, but the last comment I wanted to make on picking a shop is community involvement. Yeah. We've already mentioned a couple of times how important community is. Everybody that listens knows, but I enjoy a shop that does a training day, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said about a shop that will say, Hey, First Saturday of every month, we will do a basic service tutorial. Mm-hmm. Come on in, watch us do a service on a bike, bring your bike and, you know, do it as well or whatever the extent of what they're doing is. Um, you know, a shop that participates in the community that helps support local riding. Yeah. Um, you well, know. a lot of them will have ride days where they'll get together. They're going to go yep. and do this as a group. That also gives you an opportunity to meet the guys. Correct. I mean, not to get weird about it and be hovering over them, but just to, you know, be able to socialize a little bit, know that you're all in the same community. He's seen you before and you've been riding. He knows your bike. Maybe he's asked you some just, oh, that's cool. You did this customization type stuff. Who knows? But uh, that is part of how you can get plugged into a community and not just be there and see what they're doing for the community, right? Correct. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And and it's easy to say, you know, that, that some of the bigger shops are doing that. But when your local shops mm-hmm. are doing the same kind of thing, that I don't know, it kind of plays into that transparency for me of, you know, if you want to be front and center, 
with your work. You're very confident in your work. You're clearly doing good work. Right. It's when you're like, oh, there's this little shop. They're inexpensive. Nobody's heard of them. The generally red flags go up in my head of like, why I need is to no check one talking? into this more yeah. at a minimum. Why right. is no one talking about this shop? Right. The inexpensive and nobody knows about them is, is generally, is that because they just moved in and they're going to go somewhere else soon to, to run from a problem? Who knows? Right. Um, you know, however, the, you get shops that'll join, you know, local motocross tracks. They'll set up a team, even though there's one or two riders. They right. want to get involved because they genuinely not only want to support the community and get their name out, yeah, but the they love motorcycles. The biggest part of it, yeah. Right? A shop, especially a small mom and pa shop, if, you know, if they don't love motorcycles, they're just going to do their work, make their money because they're good at what they do and go home every night. Yeah. Right? That other small mom and pa shop that's now supporting a team or up at every track day or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is doing what they do because they want to support their own addiction to motorcycles. Right. They love bikes. They know bikes. Passion. I kind of follow that more than even if you're the best mechanic ever, but just don't care about motorcycles, you do it for the money. I'd rather have someone who might be slightly less knowledgeable, but does it for the love. And will take that extra time. Even if he doesn't know to do it yeah. right. Yeah. Right. It might take him another day to get that job done, but he's going to do it right. He's going to learn. He's, you know, I'd rather support that. Right. That passion for the community. Um, so I, I think that's really important. And, and to your point, a lot of those opportunities in the community let you get to know the owner of the shop, the lead mechanic, other right. guys that are going to the shop, everybody right. else who's ever been. Yeah. They, what they've had to deal with and maybe their good stories and maybe off stories that they're still going to the shop, but this weird thing happened. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Right. And, but they're still a part of it. So that's good. So that's, you know, I, and I think there's something to be said. I, I am generally a do it yourself in my own shop kind of a person, but I have taken the bike in for a handful of things. Um, specifically my newer bikes that I've had. Right. Uh, the older bikes, it's just too easy. There's too much of a community to just do it at home. Uh, when they're carbureted, they're just simple bikes anyway. And my two strokes are just, I mean, you can do a bottom end in a day. So it, it's simple enough, but nonetheless, there's something to be said about having that community. And I know that we talked about this a little bit when you were taking your heads in to be machined and worked locally. There's something to be said about having that relationship yeah. with your local shop. So kind of the, the thing I want to round out with how to pick a good shop is kind of do your research. If any of these appeal to you, go talk to your shop, go look at your shop, meet up with the community, do what you can to, to get involved and understand everything that you can. But most importantly as well, once you kind of find the shop you like, get involved. Don't just pop in, lowball them on, on what you're willing to pay for certain jobs and get out. Yeah. Right. Spend some money, spend some time, a good mechanic both this is cars bikes whatever is someone who you each have invested in each other right Mm -hmm. the guys that have these stories it's it's getting more rare because it's getting more i don't know more industrialized not industrialized but corporatized on a lot of these shops um but the the good old stories of the good old shops is often a relationship between the owner of the car and the owner of the shop or the mechanic that you work with and also their relationship with that bike or that car, right? right? They've worked on it three or four times. When you come in with a weird noise, they've opened it up enough to know, Hey, I know where to go. I can resolve this quickly and relatively inexpensively because I've got history with this bike. Well, return customer. They know that you're coming back, that you appreciate them. They appreciate you and your continued investment in their establishment 
uh, yeah, they, they want, I mean, a shop wants you to come back. Yeah. And me as a customer, I want to want to come back whether I decide to or not. Right. I, I want to have a good experience. And so if you're, if you're not getting that, um, kind of need to dig down and understand whether or not that's, uh, whether it's time to start looking for another shop or if something else is going on and kind of feel it out a little bit because uh, that relationship is important. Very important. I agree. And we've kind of alluded to it a lot that just because either in review or an experience you've had, just because you have a bad, one bad experience or one, one strange occurrence isn't necessarily due to that shop. So I would also wager once you've not wager, but advise once you've found a shop that you trust and that does good work, you know, just because something strange happens, look into it before you, you jump ship, right? Yeah. Um, you At know, least so- give them an opportunity to talk to you about it, figure out what's going on. I know there's a lot of horror stories out there, but at least give a give them a, give them a chance. Because that's part of what I said earlier in customer service. How, how are they going to treat you or how do they treat their customers when something does go wrong? Are they all in at least to go and say, we'll investigate it and see if it has anything to do with what we've done. We're going to spend a little bit of our time looking at it and not charge you. And if it's something outside of it, sure. I mean, if it has nothing to do with what they were working on and you had another failure, um, that shouldn't be on them. But kind of understanding how they're going to treat you is really important. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. And it's always good, even if you're a do-everything-yourself person, to have a shop in your back pocket, I think. Understanding that there are times that that does come in handy. There's times that you need something done overnight. And if you're that good customer that's always there, always kind of in their back of their mind as well, generally they're going to make room for you, right? If you have an emergency, they're going to cater to that. Mm-hmm. They're going to do their best to make you happy. Yeah, they want but you, you got to have that relationship, man. You yep. got you to have it and you got to be going in there, talking with them, having a presence so that way they know who you are. A good shop should be able to recognize you, maybe not after the first time, although some of them are really good at knowing faces. But when you come in, recognize that you're a guy that's been in there before, want to chat with you, maybe even know some of the projects that you got going on. Uh, but what I really want to know is how do you get them into your back pocket? How do you get a shop in your back pocket? I think that's your point. The I mean, maybe not in the way that a lot of people use the word back pocket, but have a shop that you can go to and it's just showing up, being there, right? Spending some money. Yeah. You can't, uh, you know, you can't just show up, take 20 minutes of their time once a week and never spend a dime and expect them to think that you're a valued customer, mm-hmm. right? If you're only, you know, taking, 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 then they don't really have a good incentive to help hook you up, help you out. Oh, here uh, comes Addison again. He wants to know what's wrong with his bike and he doesn't want to have it brought in. Yep. Or buy the parts. First here. time we chatted about it, yep. you know, it was one thing, but now he's come in six times. He's different problems. Ask about his bike, look up what we charge and then go on Amazon and buy it. Right. Or, yeah. Or just wanting to talk to the mechanic about what could be going on. And then he's going to go do it himself. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no. And that doesn't, you know, yeah, exactly. That doesn't work. That's the relationship that you have once you've been going to a place And you can do that. You can have that conversation. If it's something that, you know, you're used to and you've talked about it with them, then they can help you diagnose it. And then generally a good shop will say, yeah, go take a look, do this. If you're not sure, feel free to bring it in. Or if you're not comfortable, bring it in. But you could do that, right? You can handle that. Whatever it is. It's just nice to have shops to talk to. Mm Mm-hmm. 
than other stuff when you need to, maybe not need, but when times will come that you'll not want to do your own work. Right. Whether that be something simple for time, or whether that be something more advanced that you just don't feel like getting into or can't get into, um, or whether that be that you're selling the bike and someone else wants to go to the local shop to have it looked over once. Yeah, Right. They sure. know. They've talked to you. Tell them, hey, I always talk about my bike with this shop. They've got the history. That's who you're going to want to talk to. They'll be honest with you because they'll probably want to service it when you buy it. Yeah. Right. There, there are benefits to having that shop, knowing you and your bike. So mm-hmm. that's that's the point I wanted to also get across is although I'm generally not a bring it to the shop person, I find a lot of value in having a shop that I can go to, at least one, right, that I can go to and talk to and purchase parts from, even if it's a few bucks more. Supporting them so that when the need comes, I know they'll support me. Yeah, yeah. money definitely. They does won't come leave into me at the bottom else. of the list because I've just done nothing but annoy them for two years, right? So it's important. Anyway, hope uh, hope all of you either have a shop. If you don't, it'd be worth having one to look at, or have a friend that has a shop. I think that's where the boat I'm in. Really, that, that's fair. I I'm probably not going to be going to. Anyway, that's fair. But uh, take a look at that. Weigh it out. If you have other ideas, other thoughts on why it's important to do your own work or why it would be better off to take it to a shop, let us know. You can find us on Patreon or on our Facebook page at just Slackermoto, Slackermoto Radio. They're both available there. Um, of course, check out the website, rate and review, share with your friends. Appreciate everybody listening. It's been awesome. Uh, we're coming on a f- almost the first full year. Yeah. Uh, in one year, we're over 3,000 downloads. That's pretty friggin' amazing. I know it's not groundbreaking but for us we didn't really expect it to hit off like this yeah. so thank you all uh, we really appreciate it i uh, look forward to hearing from you have a great week next week we'll come back come back talk to us we will talk about what makes your garage or your shop the best shop you can have what you should do to make you know what what we would put in our ideal garage basically right. uh, it may not be what you think feel free to write in your ideas beforehand and we can talk about those next yeah, week as well for sure um, but we look forward to, to talking with you next week until next time right on mm-hmm.